There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This week's episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Ashdown Engineering, a British bass amplification powerhouse whose gear is seen on the biggest stages in the world, backing up the biggest bands in the world. Ashdown are famous for their big rock and roll amplifiers, but they also do a fantastic and broad range of super lightweight and versatile combo amps in their studio series. Simple classic design, these silver-faced top-mounted controlled amps come in a range of sizes for everything from your first practice amp to a full 115-300 watt combination amplifier that's just as suitable at home as on a stage. With foot-switchable valve-emulated drive and a neodymium speaker, this is a perfect solution for players looking for portability whilst retaining that classic bass tonality. Check them out at ashdownmusic.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. And welcome to the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast by Guitar Nerds. This is the third episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast. Thank you very much, listener, for tuning in. And welcome to the first ever bass exclusive content that Guitar Nerds has created. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Naomi McLeod. Hello. And JD Short. Hello. There we go. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, oh, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's hotter than Mars at the moment in the UK when we're recording this, dear listener. You know, I know it's like just under half of you are in the UK, so you're experiencing this heat as well. Elsewhere in the world, I imagine the temperature is normal for you, but this is not something that uh, certainly I am used to. So we are we're struggling somewhat, but I think we can get through it. I'm pretty sure I've reduced to a small cloud of mist right yes. now. Yes, I'm sure that my clothes are more sweat than clothing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. Because, yes, there is, uh, there's there's actually a, a load of exciting bass stuff to talk about. For the first time this week, the last two weeks, we've spoken about um, Naomi and JD's bass collection, amplifier choice, and pedal boards. And we really had to try and squeeze in the pedal boards in last week's episode because... Um, Everyone had such kind of substantial We, we use a lot of pedals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we did make it through. So now, hopefully, listener, if you're turning, tuning in for the third episode, then you have a good idea of what each host's 
preferences are. So this week we can talk a little bit more about questions that uh, we're taking from the Guitar Nerds Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds forum. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about some news in the world of bass guitars. Now, I, I guess I must apologize because I realized when I was writing this up that, you know, I, I know that the bass guitar world is absolutely riddled with awesome, modern, extended range, sporty things. And I know that that's the area that guitar nerds ignores because we just like tellies and vintage amps. And I realized writing up this week's episode that every news item and thing that that we're planning to talk about tends to be retro reissues and classically styled stuff so we will try and branch out into some of the weirder areas of the bass guitar world because i think the bass guitar world has so many weird areas but for now we're just going to talk about some incredibly cool stuff and i guess i want to talk about the new seric bass that got announced this week just after we talked about them on the first episode indeed so it was august 1st i think was the release date for the seric grand um, yeah. Also, interestingly, the first batch-made Seric model. So I think everything up till now had been had been one-off custom builds, right? Um, which obviously had been sent to to stores and open to open to customers to buy individually. But um, yeah, I, I spoke briefly to Jake Seric recently, and he was super excited about getting this this first batch model out. So it's totally new body shape for Seric. Um, it's got that unusual offset matching offset pick guard um it's kind of the body shape on the lower half reminds me of the 12 string fender uh i can't remember the model name anyone no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it recently got reissued as we don't have to know about guitars on this podcast yeah. it's fine no well that's gonna kill me now until i find yeah, especially it. guitars with <laughs> even higher strings yeah. yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you are blowing our four and five and six stringed minds here. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it, it was called the Maverick. Um, that's what it, it was released as a six string in the Parallel Universe series. Um, yes. Indeed. Yeah. The Electric yeah. 12 was the one I was thinking of. Ah, uh, yes. That, that would have made more sense for me to be talking about. I specifically meant the Parallel Universe. Series. Yes, of but, course. But yes, it has that similar sort of offset underside to that. But it is a very unique shape for Seric. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm into the asymmetry of it, especially because in contrast, the is it the Midwestern has a very symmetrical body, has kind mm. of equal, um, has kind of equal size horns. Yeah, it's got that kind of Italia airline style styling on the pickguard, which I'm super into. It's got an offset pickup. Which is yeah, it's the TV it's TV, TV Jones, Jones Thunderblade, which yeah. is great. I have a couple of those. Oh really? Have you, yeah. But what what sort of thing are they? Uh, they're just they're just like for me like pretty beefy sort of humbuckers, like very vintage style. So I had a I had one of the nineteen sixty eight custom custom with a K uh, bases that they made for a couple years. It was a short scale that was one that I uh had done a lot of frankensteining too um in that i tried to make it half rickenbacker half alembic half everything else and uh it was totally great uh but yeah like the tv jones were the pickups i i bought to replace the, a lot of the old um like the original pickups for so those tv jones um right. yeah the thunder blades are just they're just 
big beefy pickups like and they look rad so yeah they look super cool i think there's quite a few rickenbacker nods in Sarek's styling generally I guess there yeah. Is, yeah the headstock certainly yeah. Just enough to not be a lawsuit, probably. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And cool enough that it absolutely looks like he's he's put his own mark on them. So I, I really, really like that. Um I I'm I was almost speechless when I read this. Yeah, um, such was can. my excitement. You might know what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's got a freaking onboard passive fuzz circuit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Yeah. It, and and it's circuit with an S E. Yeah. And an RKIT, the SCUS circuit. Oh, yeah, of course. In, Which... my, in my handy Irish accent for my overpronounced <laughs> or. Um, that's freaking cool. I really, really want to. I mean, I wanted to try it already, but this makes me want to try it about 10 times more. And I Do think not... the. Sorry, I think the, the SE like, circuit is also a nod that the fuzz sounds like Andy Circus doing like an impression or one of his. Uh, voiceovers that he does for so many sci-fi movies. I see. Right, I think that's, that's what it is. Yeah, a nice touch. Very cool. Very Indeed. Cool. Do you know if it only comes in the one finish? I believe it's only the one finish. So um, it's like a it's like a graffiti yellow with an orange sort of Fender-style speed stripe running across the base at really annoyingly for my OCD a slightly different <laughs> angle from the pickup. It's oh. giving me DHL vibes. Yeah. In like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in like not DHL in a bad way, just like packaging. I saw that now it's hard. To, it was the Italia Airlines like mm. like scratch plate. And then I was like, yeah, this is that's another another airplane you may see on a runway. You yeah. may have yeah. exposed Sarek's favorite courier, his, prefer- <laughs> his preferred service, his subconscious color taste. Um, I think it's awesome looking as a finish. I wouldn't normally... Um, I wouldn't normally lean yeah, towards I am, a I'm, yellow finish, but it's 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 banging looking overall. I think like what I like about it is just the combination of um, the combination of entirely kind of interesting design decisions that he's taken from the pick guard to the fuzz circuit to the um, to the pickup choice to the racing stripe to the body shape. Um, he definitely hasn't played it safe on his first ever like batch built guitar. No, but I really like that about it. Yeah. 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 I think if you're going to go for it, go big or go home. Yeah. And they've said they've said these batches are going to be built semi-annually as well and sold as first come first served and you can't customize or pre-order. Mm, that tells me it probably is the one finish. Yeah, then. it must be the it yeah. must be the one finish, but um and that I think a fantastic idea, a great price that he seems to have set these at um 1850 us yeah um which is you know when you think that this is still i know they're batch built but it is still seric is still a custom shop and look at the features you're getting on this the unique finish the speed stripe the incredible scratch plate the um the tv jones thunderblade the passive fuzz circuit kind of everything about this is screams premium and yet you're paying less money than you would for a a, a US made P base. Yeah. I mean yeah, like the, the nitro finish too and like the, the hip shot hardware. Yeah. Is just such yeah. a nice like Yeah, it's basically everything everything you would if you got a base like this and then 
made a bunch of adjustments to it, they're all the adjustments that I would make. Yeah, I think, you know, like, <laughs> it's all like, oh, well, it's already it's already there. Great. It does it does feel like that a bit, doesn't it? It kind of looks and feels a bit like a sort of chop shop um, a, a base, but you know, something that you can buy for a very reasonable price. I don't know what Chechen is as a fingerboard material. Is that how you say it? That's what it. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure either. It's what it. It's what it looks like. It's you know. I think. I mean, we know this a lot of just. There's so many new woods coming yeah. into the market. You know that it's not the same that you. Certainly in the base world, it's not the same that you. You know, you've you've seen ten, fifteen years ago. Even even yeah. outside of restrictions around ebony and rosewood. You know. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. It sounds cool. Poplar body, you know, it's like these are, the, you know, obviously poplar something you see more on budget instruments, but nothing that's going to, uh, you know, nothing that's going to tonally take away from how good the instrument is. And certainly poplar is something that we're seeing used more and more. I mean, as you know, I don't, I, as I said, I don't know what Chechen is, but like Indian laurel is the the sort of um, rosewood replacement that Squire and and now mm. Fender have, have kind of really started getting on board with. Mm-hmm. It's starting to appear more and more, and I think that's kind of what it takes. People just need to acclimatize themselves with the new woods to kind of uh, be okay with using them. And yeah. although I don't know if that's the same with bass players, I think we're much more willing to go for sort of odd woods. Yeah, I mean, I think well, I think we've just been more exploratory broadly with wood choices. And one, you need different characteristics for to be able to sustain a longer scale length, to be able to sustain the you know more energy in in the string itself. Like they just they respond differently. It's like how you end up with bubenga like well yeah. before you saw bubenga guitars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> turns out uh, Chechen is what it's called. Is is a uh, it's basically a, a Caribbean rosewood, so um, so right. Dominican Republic, Cuba, Jamaica, and like southeastern Mexico is mostly where it's from. So, same sort of vibes. Oh, sweet. Oh, well, I will be very excited to see how this one does. I don't know what quantities it's being built in, but I'm you know really excited. I hope they do more batch builds. I actually really like the idea of batch building as as a general idea. I think it's a great way to for smaller companies to introduce affordable models. Um, you know, and not solely rely on the people that have sort of four grand plus to throw at at, at custom shop versions of their guitars. That's very true. I think as well, it's it's. I, well, I wonder uh, from a business point of view, is is it a better way potentially to to get the instruments into stores and to get the word out and to get to more players? Um, you know, those who maybe aren't following. Yeah, all of all of their favorite bassists will be shouting about their new custom models on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, definitely the the good word of Sarek. I hope it continues to spread because yeah. having having tried a few of the models, I've just been blown away by each. Um, and I hope I get my hands on a grand potentially at um, at some stage. It, yeah, it, I mean, it does say the first batch is sold out, so <laughs> <laughs> obviously not a first batch one. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's saying he's saying next batch in winter. So this is I mean, okay. that's pretty soon. That's pretty yeah. cool. There you go. Well, at the at the other end of the uh, of the price range and and also in in Chicago and this time, unfortunately, exclusive to Chicago, 
Um, Chicago Music Exchange have teamed up with Squire, as they want to do from time to time, and um, released Chicago Music Exchange definitely have developed an obsession with Shell Pink, which I do feel is is really kind of uh, stealing, you know, guitar nerds thunder here. We, we've been <laughs> pink guitar nerds enthusiasts for six years, and all of a sudden... Chicago Music Exchange limited edition. Everything they're doing limited edition seems to be pink. They have a a shell pink Gibson SG coming out later this year as an exclusive as well. It seems to you know someone someone there listens to us anyway. But they have released a Squire Affinity Bronco bass in shell pink, which is very exciting. Where do I pay? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> well, it's and this is the thing. It you can pay thirty three dollars a month. For six months for this. I'm I mean, seeing this. This is <laughs> awesome. This it's... is going proper high street now, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like is, finance this... just seems easier than ever. And then when you yeah. throw an affordable instrument into the mix, it's just like, <laughs> this is very cool. And I know we talked about, uh, we, we obviously, we talked about Naomi, your, your Bronco mod. And the Bronco is such a fantastic instrument to mod because essentially, its basics are very good you know the mm-hmm. neck the neck the neck profile mm-hmm. the the body uh, are all fine it's just you know hardware pickup um upgrades yeah uh, for sure and your your tone controls are super simple um, yeah it works excellently as a blank as a blank canvas essentially doesn't it exactly which is which is why and i'm i might have mentioned this the uh, when we talked about your bronco i can't remember but it's exactly why james's home of tone which is my favorite uk uh, sort of small guitar shop um, actually offer a um, a complete Bronco upgrade kit, um, which includes so it comes with like a McNelly um, pickup replacement, and then uh, I think new. Um, I've got I've got to find it to be able to actually talk about it, I guess. But uh, and then it comes with all new wiring for it, new like lovely looking white knobs that match the plate and it's just a fantastic way of actually making that into a premium instrument which of course you can do much as Naomi did but this is a a great way of doing it without having to think about anything um uh you know or or source parts separately or cry into a chisel over your bronco for a week (laughs) yes here we exactly exactly let's just say let's just say i wish i had heard of of uh, James at home of tone um, yeah. earlier, but but look, yes, they are they are very good. Yeah, so yeah, you can awesome. you can purchase a pre-wired bass guitar wiring harness for thirty nine ninety nine, and you can include a um, a McNelly uh, sort of tiny little humbucker uh, mm. with it as well that comes with a lovely white cover, so it will still kind of match. Uh, everything else for £159 for the harness and the pickup, which is a very reasonable price to pay for kind of a real complete upgrade. I mean, maybe you want to change the tuners on there as well as a separate, but I do think as far as tone is concerned, that that pre-wired bass guitar wiring harness is all you need. And that coupled with a shell pink Bronco removes the fact that you might want to refinish that Bronco. So... All of a yeah. sudden, you've then you, you've got like a, a really kind of all singing, all dancing guitar for uh, you know, and and unique guitar for less than three hundred and sixty quid. Or, or awesome. oh no, I guess it's in it's in dollars, isn't it? The 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 Bronco one nine nine dollars. Even so, I mean that's that's still 
a super affordable finished mod, if you like, with the with the ease of installation that um that James Home Home of Tone has um included in his pack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um right. Now I I, I kind of I need I need everyone's help on something uh moving forward. But actually before I do that, JD, all your pedals have turned up. They have. Yes. And I actually, have. Naomi, you've been and picked up all of your gear as well. So you both yes. have everything here now, right? And this wasn't planned between myself and JD, just to clarify. <laughs> this, this wasn't to be sprung on you all at once, Joe, that we would both mm. shout about all our gear. But um, yeah, JD, yours arrived from the States. And um, simultaneously, yeah. I managed to fetch mine from Ireland as well. You had some fantastic pedals turn up, JD, along with kind of everything else um including the old boss high pass uh flanger yeah yeah so it's it's i really like that flanger and then it's basically just a you can have it just affect really the the upper signal of and it you know ideally it or it was originally designed i think for like guitar and keys um it's kind of how i think about it but it like on bass i think it's it's just really great because i don't i'm sometimes not a huge fan of of filter effects going really low into my into my frequency so i often run you know varying stages of crossover kind of depending on what i'm doing like um like my limbic preamp which is here again um touching it now um is like has a built-in crossover so i'll i'll run like recording wise like different effects and stuff through there i have a couple of different boards that with crossovers built in and i'll or by amping or anything like that because why not right um but it's yeah it's just like the pedal itself is just really nice just to have the just sort of the upper level flange happening works exceptionally well with drive and distortions just you get all the like the odd harmonics coming out that you can really just put a flange on top of without like getting that old like sort of rolling jet phase sort of sound you know with it um which i know are separate effects but still you know like that where you just have a big fuzz that the whole thing is moving it's just really nice to have like additional movement um sort of up top only it's great Plus, it's a banging color, too. It's like the light purple, uh, which is probably going to be what the bass guitar nerds should shift into instead of a shell pink. We'll figure out some sort of, like, electric mauve or something. Yeah. We'll be, and we'll start seeing who, who falls for it next. Yeah, but so. Guy, Guy Pratt's Burgundy Mist is, Burgundy uh, Mist yeah. is where I want to go with this. That's, that's the ultimate color. Um, yeah, Naomi, what about you? What, uh, what bases um, did you... Uh, have all your bases come over now? Just about all of my bases have. I've left. I've left one. Um, I mean, I really don't why. Don't know why at this stage. I left my um, kind of old reliable, I suppose, which is simply a. It is a two thousand and four Mexican jazz. Um, left that in Dublin. I think subconsciously thinking, you know, if I have gigs, that it'll be handy there. But I mean, who knows about that? Um, still. Uh, everything else has come over with me though yes so the bronco um has joined me we had a we had a tough separation there for a little while so i'm delighted to have it back have my reverend mercalli 5 um my 
I always get the order of words mixed up, but I also have a 20, it's either 2011 or 2012 FSR Deluxe Active um, P-Base in metallic seafoam. I remember when this came out, yeah, the metallic seafoam, and it's PJ, perloid plate, right? It is, yes, an active. An active. um, Yeah, perloid PJ and has a jazz neck. That's right, and it's it's maple with black blocks, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. This it, this was definitely. This, I remember when this bass came out, and I was working at GAC at the time, and and this bass really felt to me like. Uh, I, at first, I very much liked it, but then I was like, oh, I don't. Does this not just have everything on it? You know, it's it's kind of it's not one thing that they changed. It was like we're changing a jazz neck. We're also going to make it maple with black block inlays. We're also going to make it PJ. It's also going to be active. We're going to put a right. plate. It's kind of, you know, it was sort of everything all at once. Yeah. Um, I, I believe the cool kids call it extra. <laughs> right. Extra I base. I see. How did you How did you find it? Because I've always been on the fence about when Fender tried to do active things. Sure. Well, it's... I had to double check. Yes, it is still my only active base. So I had kind of shied away from um, from active personally for a long time. Um, and just stuck with passive. I mean, even the, you know, a lot of people ask me, is my Reverend Mercalli 5 active? I think a lot of people assume that a lot of Reverends are active, but um, but they're not. Um, and in the case of the PJ, a little bit like yourself, I actually was working in um, a store in Dublin at the time, and it was, <laughs> it kind of turned into the base that got away. I remember really regretting not buying it because it just, um, it just felt so cool. And just the idea of, um, you know, the solidity of the P tone, but matched with a jazz neck. I've always kind of lent more towards the, the jazz neck. Um, and then finally, I mean, really by the time I tracked one down, which was only last year, I think it was July, 2019, I finally bought one, um, when it came up for sale, uh, here in the UK. Um, I mean, by then I'd kind of played and borrowed enough active basses that it kind of um, had stopped being anything that I sort of mind. So it's it's fine, really. Um, nice loud output. Does it um, does it have an active passive switch, or does it have to be active? It has to be active. Right. So the same yeah. as the me- is that old Mexican deluxe series that Fender did, where it had to be active. Because of course, on all the American mm-hmm. uh, deluxes, they always had an active passive. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a Mexican build actually. So Yeah. Um, oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So I think in that sense the specs are sort of in line with the Mexican deluxes. Yeah. I see. Um JD, do you remember that you used to always play like a quite similar spec to this jazz bass, right? Was that yeah. active as well? Yeah, it was active passive, so it was it was the it was an American deluxe which again was sort of that same idea that it was like if it's a jazz bass with all the mods that I would do to it, except for the mods I did additionally, um, what <laughs> you know what what would what would I get? And it was just you know like it was the seventies, the seventies style with the big uh, you know maple uh, maple body uh, or well uh, alder body maple board uh, with um, the big block inlays and like the black binding. And everything so like that vibe and then the black scratch plate and active passive and sort of all that and then i i swapped it out for as i do with most things that aren't my stonefield like nordstrom pickups and then um 
I had, although I did have Aguilar pickups in it for a while, which I really liked. Their noiseless ones were really, um, really great. But that was sort of my my fly base that I would go with for a long time. I took on planes and stuff. Right. I see. Yeah, they were really cool. Really underrated instruments, I thought. Because you had that active passage switch, they made me far more kind of interested in them just because I had the option of that sort of more traditional jazz bass tone. Um but yeah, I, I really love that 70s jazz bass style. It's it's something that Fender have really done a good job of cottoning on to the fact that that bass players like that look because it's one of mm-hmm. the few things they've made available at every tier. You know, you think from a Squire, it was like the only good Squire Vint mod years ago. Um, right. It was mm. like 300 quid and it was it weighed a ton because I think it was an ash body. Um and uh, and a maple board, and the five string especially, I remember being utterly back breaking. But then they did it the whole way up. They you know they offered it as a Mexican deluxe, as an American deluxe. It was something you could buy kind of in every uh, in every area. Um, and I guess it, it, it kind of coming back to um, to Naomi's bass, how do you both feel about PJ as a pickup configuration? It's more contentious than I thought. I um, I re- like I just fundamentally really like it. I really like having having the option there. Like I mean, I love a P. I love a P pickup on its own. I love a P positioning on its own. Um, and I suppose just having the option to add the um, or rather to blend um, kind of the the more gnarly uh, bridge bridge position just just works for me. Would you consider yourself more precision than jazz? I, I'm not just saying this because of the previous question. I would consider myself in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am. J- it's me. It's me. I am PJ. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I. I like truly and honestly. I. I. I am a big fan of both. I wouldn't. Um, I know quite a lot of people lean quite heavily towards either P or J. But um, I think when I first discovered PJ as a as a configuration, it it really stuck with me. Right. I see. Yeah. I would agree with that. Like I, I really like PJ. Certainly, like because I I quite like. I think tonally, well, it's tough because I think I am also in the middle. Like I really like the sound of a P bass, and if I'm playing a jazz bass, like with the, or two jazz pickup spacing, like I almost always leave them on both full. Um, sometimes a little more neck, but I I rarely go for like the the you know bridge sound of a of a, a J. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, all that being said, like I like one, there's there's something amazing about PJs that just for some reason scream 80s to me. And I'm not quite sure why, but it always just seems like it's Yamaha like the, BBs. Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. it's something or it's or it's like all the like the Aria pros or like you start seeing yeah. other things that have those. And, you know, it's certainly when like DiMarzio was doing like the cream, um, <laughs> you know, like where everyone had like the cream plastic covers yeah. for everything and you're like this doesn't really work with anything but it's so amazing now there's a uh, there's a wonderful a wonderfully large amount of 70s precision bases where people have butchered jazz bass pickups into mm. them and now they're you know only worth a grand instead of you know three <laughs> yeah great yeah yeah also with that like i was like i started thinking about like pjs and i think about like some of the great like specters 
and stuff that mm-hmm. are out there and like a lot of those have like pj configurations and like they're sort of my my secret kind of i have a, a secret it's affinity a for those where it's just like oh. there's like the the emgs and then like the oh. the super crisp crisp sound and just like like it yes. they're just being so active right shadows <laughs> let's yeah. talk about spectre what a fantastic brand mm. um yeah the, like the check built stuff was always really good and now yeah. most of it comes with the gorilla pickups now because i think well because um barnes and mullins in the uk distribute spectre and also aguila and seem to have quite a lot um you know uh, seem to be quite involved in in both companies really um you're starting to see more and more spectres turn up with aguila rather than oh wait did i what did we agree the pronunciation was it's it's either it's okay i i did it wrong again didn't i tomato tomato Fine. <laughs> tomato, Fine. tomato. Not um, saying it's definitely Aguilar, but Ag- Aguilar. I need to. I, I'll try and get that. I'll try and get that. Well, it doesn't even can... matter when you guys say it immediately before me. I then immediately go Aguila. No, okay, Aguila. <laughs> okay. Fine. I mean, to be to be fair, Alex could could correct us all. I yeah, mean, it's true. <laughs> it's true, and and we'd listen. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah, great. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, yes. I mean, Spectre, mostly just, I was thinking about this when you were, were speaking before about how everything we talk about is like, well, you know, we're passive. Uh, we want all this, you know, like retro vibey sort of stuff. And then it's like, but also Spectres are banging. And also like, <laughs> to be fair, have also been around for 40 years or more, yeah. you know? And so, it's, and so it's like, also, if you think about it, a Spectre like Spectre bodies are vintagey, you know. <laughs> like it's yeah, rough to think about now, but it's like That's, yeah, like there's they are. There. It's such a it's such a wonderful weird thing. They're like they're so modern looking. If you think about that weird, like I love the Tommy Contour. I love that they're designed mm. around my beer belly. That is that's fantastic for me. It's on the on the Euro fours and fives, but um, but but they're. I just think. You know, I know that that shape obviously was sold to Warwick, and Warwick then ran with it. It's the first, their... first and only Warwick I had. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was and what was what was the Warwick shape called? Oh, it was like the it was like it wasn't the Masterman streamer it was the streamer streamer. No, was it? No, they had like a it was a very specific version of it where it, they had like their it was like the Spectre body, a Music Man pickup, and then all the like traditional like Warwick uh, like accoutrement you know where it was yeah. like the like bubinga and wenge and then it was like they had like the the countersunk um uh strap locks like built in so they right. didn't like stick out from the body and there's just like such a, a nice touch for stuff like that and it was yeah yeah it was i played that bass it was the it was my first real proper like had to source this bass from some store like hundreds of miles away from where i lived kind of place you know like one of those spaces but brass uh brass nut brass. as well and oh. the adjusted nut like the one where you could like rate individually you could was just little screws for the the saddles yeah. like in the nut so you can like raise and lower them yeah i remember that that was ridiculous it was a fixed brass nut i think on the on the specters uh yeah get. yeah but yeah they were they're just so cool i i um i was very lucky i got to interview doug wimbish Mm-hmm. Um, who you know essentially 
responsible for making basses into uh almost soundscape instruments like he he can he he makes it sound he doesn't use it as a as a bass or a guitar he can do anything with it he just has this weird like uh ability to address the instrument for the sound it produces rather than any sort of playing with any any sort of style yeah it's He's just 100% why i've purchased and sold and purchased and sold a whammy pedal right um <laughs> like probably three or four times over now just because i love doug wimbish so much he he's so cool when when i interviewed him he turned up with his spec to doug, doug wimbish and when i say he turned up with his spec to doug, doug wimbish i mean the one selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And he was telling me about it. It was like, no, this is just the one. This is the one that they made him when they started doing it. And I was like, you've been playing, you've been playing one of these for my whole life for that guy. (laughs) For at least the last 20 years since I became aware of you, you've been playing this and it's like the same one. It's so battered and beat up. And it's kind of like, you know, I interviewed him in Brighton. It was like, you flew this over here. (laughs) Get get them to just supply you with one here. You know, (laughs) don't bring this. This is a piece of history, but. Well, it's like when Bobby Vega always travels with his his base, mm. and you're just like, this thing should, you know, like is destined for some museum of greatness, and like it's just like it's just like yeah, it's just my base, you know, you like know, it's just great. you know, coming back round to that sort of precision versus jazz, I actually think he's responsible for getting me into to realizing that I prefer jazz bases to. Um, to precision bases was when I saw how ridiculously um, relict his was mm. and how incredibly cool it still looked. Um, one, of, one of the most unique playing styles as well, that man. Uh, yeah, his oh, for sure. Plectrum, it's 
so upside down plectrum. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, just want to do a fun little uh, callback uh, trivia for everyone that the um, that the the NS ones, those Spectre NS ones, the NS is Ned Steinberger. So those are Ned Steinberger mm-hmm. design Spectres. Um, oh, I didn't know. <gasps> yeah. Yep. Oh, why don't I own a Spectre? Yeah, I, ah. I, I. I've come so close so many times, but it's like, there's, it's just one of those things. Like I would have one to have one. And I feel like I would, I would play it a lot, but I would never use it. Probably. I think that's, that's what makes me back out of bases like this all the time is that, and I imagine a lot of bass players have, have this, a lot of bass players like Naomi, you seem to be, you seem to have quite a lot of taste in the instruments that you choose, but for a lot of, but for by a, contrast, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what kind of, yeah. But like every now and again, I just want to buy something ridiculous. I want a Spectre Euro Four LX in sported poplar, but I just know that there's no way my band will let me walk onto a stage with that. You know, there's sure, no way I could I, possibly yeah. play in like a a rock band with this bass that's louder than everything else on the stage. Yeah, I get what you mean. And in fact, I've, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, oh, I love this or it sounds amazing, but like I couldn't be seen dead on stage with it. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know. Am I taking a bit of a hard angle with it? But it makes me a bit sad. I think mm. like, if you <laughs> yeah. find something that sounds absolutely incredible, um, why why do yourself the disservice or equally if you find something that just looks so far out there that you want to take a you know a wild plunge i mean i think um the last one of those for me that i nearly bought but didn't and i'm beginning to regret now was a pv foundation base <gasps> oh they uh, were so good yeah, but they were so sporty they it it's it was like a little what was that super famous but affordable Mazda sports car that like changed the affordable <laughs> sports car world was it like the MR MR five yeah yeah oh, MX five M MX five we're clearly out of our depth here yeah there was quickly and instantly there was a cheap there was a cheap car models of bases from twenty years before we were born but like give us a car like that. Taurus? Taurus? Do you think they named it after Billy Sheehan's band? Yeah, right. But the the um one that I had my eye on, it it was sort of this equivalent. I mean it was like it was this beautiful kind of um I don't know, slightly cola red, gold hardware, that super pointy mm. headstock, maple body. It weighed a ton, but it sounded um, They sounded It sounded so unbelievable. Good. Yeah. And oh, I- Again, like, you know, I hasten to add, I I do love expensive instruments. I feel like I've come on this podcast and pretty much exclusively talked <laughs> about things under the kind of $300 range. <laughs> but I mean, this was super cheap only because it's, you know, it's it's an older secondhand instrument that's just not quite as sought after as some of the, you know, some of the more star players. But um, an unbelievable sounding bass that, again... I did potentially hear a few people sort of uh, snicker at it and think, God, it's it's so naff looking or whatever. And um, I thought, you know what? It sounds awesome. And hence you were wrong. They were absolutely fantastic. I completely 
uh, I completely loved them. I did uh, like you know, the videos for Gak of them when they came in, and it was at a right. time when I was like, I only play Gibson basses. I don't mm-hmm. touch anything else. <laughs> I was going through this real sort of like, no, if Jack yeah. Bruce didn't play it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But then uh, I I played one of these, and I remember being like, oh, this is it's so good and it was so not my style that i didn't buy it but i really regret it i can't like those big soap bar pickups were just so Mm, they were fantastic they were so expressive and so wonderful it was like a supercharged jazz bass but in only a good way um yeah yeah it's just a, a different take on a different take completely and it's good to have that you know i mean it's it's really nice to have a bunch of trusty, very classic basses, but I think you know. I think you should have some um, some different strings to your bow for whatever whatever gig or band may call for it. Well, I yeah. think that's it's really like I'm thinking about this now. Like now, I'm thinking about like some sort of like electric candy red bass with like gold hardware and like all the stuff that's like so tacky and audacious that it just becomes amazing. In its, yeah. in its own way like i i so one of the one of the things so like i this is probably says way too much about me but i i still have the first base the first issue of bass player that i ever purchased oh, um wow. which was the buyer's guide uh and so it was just it was just gear reviews which is probably what set me out of my course so you know like the first i remember it was the first magazine i was on like a family holiday um like was, I, it, I, was it a smaller size uh i mean it was no i okay i mean it's just mind. normal normal like magazine size but it was just like it was yeah it wasn't like a pocket buyer's guide or anything it was just right, like right. the magazine that was just issue and, and it was just reviews after reviews and then like half of it was just manufacturer addresses and everything <laughs> you know like it was basically like an Whoa. industry mag and and i didn't know anybody but that was like the thing i poured over and i was just like reading all these things and i was like oh these are all the bases i want in it and and I still have it, and it's one of the things that came came over with all my stuff. So I should like I'll I'll take some photos and just oh, show some, some of it because it's like some of the reviews. Like your name when you were talking, it was reminding me of there's like there's like this like bonkers Epiphone model of something that was still like it was like old and new, and it was like it was sort of like '90s. So it was like when everyone was just trying stuff. You know, like right. musically and and instrument wise, and it was all just trying to figure out. And I think one of the early epi- or episodes uh, issues I had um, also had like the PV MIDI bass, like on yes. like the back cover <laughs> or something. It was like the first real go of like <laughs> this bass is just a MIDI controller, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I I wanted a bass that could sound like a flute, you know, like yeah. so badly, <laughs> and a banjo all oh, yeah. at once. I with, only, with, with only four seconds of latency, I mean, yeah. this yeah. this is the future. Yeah. I remember going into um, some. I can't remember what it was. I wish I could remember what the guitar shop was, so that I could name and shame them for for the salesman being so t- clearly orientated towards making margin on the on on, oh, on the instrument he was saying. Because I I remember being very young, going in to buy um, my first. Uh, like Fender bass, you know, that sort of thing. Like I was in punk bands, so you had to play a precision bass at that time. Um, and he uh, handed me, he was like, well, you should definitely try this out. And it was the Line 6 Variax no, bass. No, The one with no pickups. Yeah. And I yep. remember, I remember that at that 
particular point. And of course, as Naomi, exactly, you're exactly right. Oh no, they were terrible. But at that point in time, before you know anything, when you're like 16 years old, that was like this pick. This bass has no visible pickups, and it can sound like any bass or a flute. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it, that was cool at the time. And I remember playing that and being like, "Wow, I wish I could afford this." But no, I will just buy the P bass. But I'm. <laughs> I, well, some some say you would end up, or some <laughs> some would say you ended up uh, at the better end of that deal. Yeah. I, would say, so. <laughs> I I remember when those came out. I wanted one. I wanted it to work so badly because I was like, this would be incredible to be able to do so much stuff with this, and like it, it just wasn't there. And like I think those came out was like mid late nineties, right? Like for those, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I mean saying that now that. Um, I have one of the, you know, the Tyler Variax guitars. The James Tyler Variaxes yeah. I will stand by as being actually yeah. good guitars. Yeah, they're they're just it's and the one I have is just a a gold top Les Paul style P90s. So it's just a really decent, you know, P90 guitar on its own. But then, like for recording and a lot of that stuff, like I use it. That's primarily where I use it because then I can just like one. I don't care enough to really know that like, well, maybe this doesn't sound exactly like a telly, but you know, if I'm like, well, but it gives me the ability to track a telly and a Rick and a, you know, like Strat or something over the course of like a record with the same guitar. Yeah. Playing, sure. you know, for, for me, it really works and I really like it, but it's like the, the technology, even from that, and that one's a few years old now, but even since I've updated it, but it's, it just so different and so good now to be able to do that like i'd really like to revisit a lot of a lot of that technology some somewhere well yeah we we will see until then we'll be stuck with status bases with midi keyboards wired into the side of them we'll, we'll get there we'll Those, get there eventually i i, I do like asked... status bases that's another one of my like i what, if what one fell you, into Naomi? my lap i would be i would be into it yeah I am big into status bases. They're another one of those brands that I think about getting all the time and yep. then think, would my band kick me out? Um, I mean, also, I will say that status, um, and I recommend both of you and all of you listeners checking out the status website. It is hands down the worst, one of the worst websites on the internet. Oh, yeah. uh, status-graphite.com is what they've gone for rather than status bases or anything like that. Uh, it still has an enter page and it and says, you know, something like from England to the world, which is, you know, it, I'm not accusing them of anything. I'm just saying like there's never, never the sort of thing you want to see when clicking on a on a site. Um, I just, uh, just want to say yeah. I just went to it and it does have the copyright is updated. So it's still an active website. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is very much reminding me of the uh, Captain Marvel website that uh marvel did which right. if anyone hasn't checked it out i i highly recommend doing it i see i, I have fast. not but we'll they do um, it after this they maybe two three years ago they took on um uh v-man uh, alex venturella the bass player from slipknot became a new artist for them mm, yeah. mm -hmm. i will emphasize this was maybe two years ago so this is a new thing and if you're on their website and you scroll down they do have promotion about his all new uh base and and honestly that 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 page in itself it just this this is straight up one of the worst websites in the world 
it's good that their bases are so good. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is, yeah, this is an experience being this, on this website. It's ter- I, don't, I don't know how I've, anyone... I feel like I've aged anyone. by 50 years looking well, at me. I feel like it's, it. it's turned me into... I know this is terrible, but everyone, maybe just pause, or if you're not listening on a device that allows you to listen and check out a website, but... Oof. Their bases are very good, though. Their bases <laughs> are fantastic. I do think this website is why probably the average age of people who buy their instruments is, you know, over 50. But I think that's um, also the price point. Yeah, that is that is very much the price point. Yeah. What, what, what are your feelings on uh, status bases, Naomi? I'm looking and marveling at the finish on the... I'm not sure if the website's going to tell me what model this is. It's the one that's right in the middle of the main page. Of the, the para, website. the para. Um, to one, be honest, my para matrix. Para matrix is that it? It's the PJ, incidentally. Um, right, <laughs> yeah. red, red PJ kind of offset body model. But yeah, it's a stunning finish. Um, honestly, my only experience of them has been. Um, has been hearing Alex Venturella play his. Right, um, yeah. Because I'm trying to remember. I was a huge Slipknot fan back in the day, so it was hence was a huge Paul Gray fan, though um, I still believe mm-hmm. he kind of got mixed into Oblivion Newstead style on most records. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he was he was a sick bassist. And I think, if I remember correctly, he was Warwick for a very long time, if not the entire time um, mm. that he was in Slipknot. But um, I, I have noted, um, and I'm very into Alex Venturella's tone. So again, sadly, for now, that's all I know of status bassist. But... Mm. Uh, very into them sonically anyway so i they aren't yeah they they are fantastic for for me like the status base that always stood out was the buzzard which of course they later got banned from calling it that by warwick as they made it with john entwistle the original one and then john entwistle moved to warwick and then later to dean and the name traveled somewhat i don't know the the Mm -hmm. details of it but um Status basically had to redesign the base, and they they redesigned the horns and they renamed it the B two, um, but the rest of the base kind of stays as uh, as it was, and it very much has that buzzard headstock. And for me, that that base just tonally really summarizes status. Because when I think of status bases, I think of either um, you know John Entwistle and that sort of incredible like piano-like tone Mm -hmm. he managed Mm -hmm. to get that incredibly heavy-handed consistent like almost full hi-fi tone there's so much high mid and treble in his sound but still such fundamentals so i always think of status and graphite basses as being the bass that produces that um and then also like hearing guy pratt and what he did with, with with for a lot of pink floyd he was playing his signature status base as well and i really noticed the difference you know when because of course when guy pratt came into pink floyd they they had such a, a range of albums through of course you know of course through the the wonderful you know 60s and 70s to the questionable 80s and 90s and so he's got to produce all those tones from sort of classic that classic like p bass tone of roger waters right up to the sort of you know the that sort of cheesy 80s you know sort of midi bass tone and so he has obviously his wonderful um burgundy mist 61 or 62 um jazz bass that he uses for all their older stuff and then this fantastic graphite status bass that he uses for all his modern stuff if you want to see something funny there's a uh, there's video footage of a um 
uh, of a Pink Floyd show where they'd agreed to smash all their instruments up at the end of the gig. And um, and um, Guy Pratt, unfortunately, was playing his graphite instrument uh, for the song where he had to they had to smash their gear up. And so he, uh, you know, he took the bass off and swung it into the ground expecting it to smash but all that happened was he sort of lifted off the ground at the other end and the base stayed perfectly intact because it's an indestructible graphite base and he 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 says himself he he talks about it actually in his stand-up about that being sort of the end of his back but um... (laughs) (laughs) the instrument strikes back (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah yeah status bass is very cool jd i never asked you whether you were precision or jazz um I think if I were buying anything, it would probably be a jazz. But the the bass that was like one that got away was a 78P bass that I could have had for next to nothing. But at the time, I was playing, uh, can't remember if it was, it was either my like five string Warwick or the five string like custom build that I had done. So, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I don't really, you know, it was in that, that time where like if it was like 400 us which was like ridiculous you know it was like someone needed to make rent i also probably <laughs> just paid rent so i was like i couldn't i was like if i can have a few days to scrape up 400 bucks i would ha- I happily get it but yeah like it was one of the best sounding bass i had so i always sort of harken back for like a late 70s p but like i'd probably get a jazz like just because the jazz can get so p like if you just solo the you know the neck anyway really so yeah mm-hmm. well exactly yeah 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 i think I, I i i agree i'm definitely in the in the jazz bass camp despite you know one of the most expensive instruments i own is my 1969 sunburst precision bass which actually is the bass on all all of the unreleased polymath stuff all of the last record we put out and in fact, I, even before I owned that, I've always used Precisions for recording. But I, I just I prefer I prefer the the versatility of a jazz bass certainly for uh, for for live stuff. I do think jazz bass. I, I do think generally Precision basses sound good. Like I think you can spend mm-hmm. three hundred pounds on a P bass and it will sound good. Mm-hmm. Or you can spend four grand on a p bass and it would sound good was i think if you spend 300 pounds on a jazz bass it would sound weak and you know if you spend four grand on a jazz bass it would sound fantastic i think there's so much of a jazz bass that's in its pickups and i've actually thinking Mm -hmm. about it never owned a jazz bass where i haven't changed the pickups yeah Um, yeah whereas yeah i guess i've owned four p basses and only changed the pickups in one so and that was a that was a mexican made one um but yeah yeah i like big bodied bases because they hide my belly you know that's uh, that's always a good option there's actually a fantastic if if you know if anyone's thinking about vintage or or retro jazz bases at the moment um just a you know a a little shout out sorry everyone who's not in the uk which is obviously over half of you I, i do apologize but i feel that i should spread the word about this instrument because it is absolutely wonderful i'm gonna uh quickly put it in the chat so that you guys can all check out the link as well but i've been i've been 
eyeing this instrument up for a couple of months now. It was a 1976 natural jazz mm. bass with a rosewood neck and a perloid block inlays. It looks absolutely fantastic. I bet it sounds incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> really good. It's really good. Like it, And it's an amazing price. It's 1,849 British pounds. It's... It's very beat up, which is hence the price, but it is very good looking relicking. It looks incredible. The problem I have, it sh- it it's um, in Bletchingly, and it, it's, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's collection only, and it's cash on collection only, which is like you know. Oh, great. Okay, fine. Well, you know. <laughs> it's sort of uh, like the anti-modern buyer, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I know exactly who this fella is, yeah. you know, yeah. already without meeting him, right? Cash and collection. He's okay. the final and boss. Yeah, of, he's uh, the final boss. He won't of the second-hand it. market, I think, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> That's exactly, I mean, exactly what it all is. All of the artwork, be like, if, if you... <laughs> There's pictures in the background. Yes. I tell you what, I'll post this in the in the description of this podcast episode as well, and in the Facebook groups. So yeah. Well, let's see. have a quick discussion about it because maybe there's some sort of like timeshare thing we could all work out, <laughs> and then so we just have like a Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, 1976, yeah, hyper authentically relict jazz bass for whenever you know gigs or things. That's it. That's it. That's a great idea. But yeah, um, it's, I, it's some of the nicest relicking I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's really lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. And I mean, you know, I say that as someone who has long defended the uh, um, the production relicking that is so popular kind of these days. You know, that that's, again, quite a divisive subject. Yeah, of course. Um, but this as a as a natural relic really is stunning. I think, you know, I think even more so because it was... Um, because it's natural finish to begin with, so it's like natural on natural. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just imagine how great this would be if we took that like neck pickup and made it a P pickup, and then we <laughs> I know, drop right? in, it's... drop in like a three band active preamp. <laughs> Absolutely, and and actually, um, just spray painted a load of sea foam over it as well. <laughs> actually, um, burgundy yeah. nest. Yeah, <laughs> the official colour of the bass guitar heads. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm yeah. going for. Yeah, I see what you're pushing for um, here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. It's the best colour. I always got denied it on the guitar heads podcast. Had to go shell pink. Um, but yeah, now I'm here. not sure. I'm not sure. I'm sold on it just yet. Not burgundy mist. Well, let's talk about that. You know, we're nearly at the end of this week's podcast, so you know, let's finish with that because we, we haven't agreed any sort of. You know, the logo listener, you, you will notice I've sort of, for the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, I have aired towards purple and away for, from pink for uh, for the logo of this podcast. I also think my rendering of uh, the um, Rickenbacker headstock is <laughs> sort of dangerously close. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of, yeah, it's definitely lawsuit close to it. So I might, <laughs> I may have to change that at some point. Who knows? Uh, you know, listeners who have been listening long enough will remember when we had a Fender headstock in our logo and that definitely got changed at some point <laughs> after an email or two. So, uh, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with the Rickenbacker one. But um, but yeah, okay, let's talk about favourite colours uh, before we end. Like the your ultimate custom shop colour. Naomi, obviously when you were given the option, you actually just went for natural on your Bronco. I did. Okay. I'm I'm a huge fan of natural with the right pick guard. And by the right pick guard, I mean... Um, tort. I mean tort yeah. or something pearl. Like right. a, that kind of... Um, 
chestnutty natural finish. Um, I suppose a little bit like kind of uh, koa, koa sort of tones. Mm-hmm. Um, right. With a pearl or a tort pickguard is is right up my street. It's not to say I don't like. Um, it's not to say I don't like solid finishes as well. I absolutely do. I'm trying to check up here on one of the finishes that Reverend do, which is their green finish. Joe, you might know the one I'm on about. The one what that the Watt flower comes in. Is that the, the, the one that the Mike Watt one? Or is the Mike Watt one. Oh, yeah. it's like a metallic green, isn't it? Like a kind of a deep metallic green. I don't know what they call that finish. I was looking satin, at that base today, actually. Satin emerald. Satin that emerald. is a superb color. Satin I just emerald. want to name paint colors. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really like how Mulberry get around. Uh, how Mul- uh, sorry, how Reverend get around those things because their version of Burgundy Mist is called Mulberry Mist. Yeah, which I thought right. Was yeah, I, yeah. I, I like those little get arounds. They're cool. Yeah, cough decision base cough. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gibson's Gibson's version of Shell Pink is called Ocean Pink. Uh, I like right. That. Okay. A, a nice subtle get around there. I mean, yeah, a reference I... a reference to the pink oceans, of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. When I, when I think of oceans, I'm like, oh, that is pink. <laughs> that is so pink. <laughs> Just like Steven Tyler, pink is my favorite color. Yeah. Yeah. Right, um, yeah. But yeah, so, sorry, to, to finish, I would say I, I would lean heavily towards greens, turquoises, Sherwood green, um, which I feel like Fender didn't do for a very long time. Uh, Sherwood Green Metallic and Green seems to be making a little bit of a comeback in the last kind of two years with their ranges. Um, yeah, I, those... often often in um, the sort of pastel format, and I'm not a fan of the pastel colours. I need something a bit more with a bit more substance to it than the than the pastel colours. I I want to sure, see I... more uh, sea foam than. Oh no, do I mean sea foam? What are the two greens that Fender do? There's yeah, the I mean olive green which came than... in. Do you remember the olive green that came in about 2016, 2017 in the American Professionals? Oh, yes, I remember that. I yeah. remember that. I wasn't. I feel like that was the first to be reintroduced outside of kind of the seafoam, seafoam green, Daphne blue sort of pastels that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then they yeah, have, sure. what is their really out there finish that they have on the, on the lead? Um yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sure. The the green that really They've stood out for me that Fender did one. was what, sir? I'm just looking up the name of this absolutely neon green that they've done currently. If it is neon green, I'll leave my hat, but I don't think it is. <laughs> I was I it's was always neon really green. Of course it's neon green. It's neon green. <laughs> 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 to answer your question in in uh in two words as opposed to the 500 that i just did it's uh it would be neon green joe <laughs> fair enough yeah the seafoam green i think was the green that always really appealed to me that fender did um sure i've, I've, a I've put a link again in the um in the in the chat for you guys now which i'll do again in the facebook community and the link of this podcast um oh, to actually a that. specific base that that was a custom shop it's a custom shop jazz base that came into gac in my time working there which for the entire time that i was in charge of the base department i had sat behind my head at, at the desk so that it was least likely for anyone to buy it because i loved <laughs> i loved that base it was a jazz base with no scratch plate so it was just completely seafoam green 70s well, 70s styled with a 
Um, well, it's a 60s headstock logo, but yeah, 70s styled mm -hmm. in that it had a rosewood neck and big uh, perloid block inlays and the 60s pickup configuration as well. It um, looks, it's very cool. I just want to start with that. <laughs> it also is looks like the base that the Simpsons would draw or that some sort of animated show when they have a bass player would right. do. So it's like, it's basically like, here's basically what it needs. And then <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, it's it's one color green. And then, oh, yeah, I've seen those things on it. Like when you see like in someone doing Controls. animation who doesn't actually play guitar or bass or something, it's like, yeah. oh, look at this. Here's a guitar with two strings and things. Hmm. It's not morphine. <laughs> one for the yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, but yeah um, it's, I have to ask, Joe, the... Hmm. Um, Simplicity of the body is, is what I think is so beautiful when you see it in a jazz body like that with no um, with no pick guards. So you've just got your your controls, your pickups and your bridge. Is the fact that there is technically more seafoam green, is that part of your reasoning for really liking this one? Yeah. And, and trying to have, have sabotaged any potential sale of this base. That, yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, this base, yeah, did sell years ago. Uh, I was, I, I do look out for it every now and again because I never saw because it was a custom shop that we spec'd in the shop. Mm. Um, ah, and, okay. Um, and I was annoyed because I, I spec'd this one up and I asked for drill holes. Um, oh right, right. For for the plate, which it yeah. didn't come with. Um, which I guess I could have done myself, but you know, nonetheless, I really liked the idea of there being drill holes. That was just my incredibly yeah. <laughs> um, specific requirements for the base. But yeah, you know, that that was back in the days. Well, I think that probably sold for you know two and a half grand uh, new. You know, and now I reckon something like that spec'd up in the Fender Custom Shop would be like three eight, three nine yeah. in pounds. I was going to yeah. say four, yeah, 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 for sure. So. Yeah, a wonderful bass that got away. Mm. JD, um, yes. fa favorite finish. So if I'm absolutely honest, it's it's natural. Like oh, I sort yeah. of well, but I have I have a few stages of this. So okay. like everything, like I think anything I've purchased in the last well quite long time it's like it's always been natural because I because I want to see the wood because I want to see you know like I like all the great you know like I think. You know, like you've seen my base. I have a big knot on the top of my base. Like I really like the yeah. organicness of all of that, and I and I sort of don't want to hide it. Um, failing that, like I think it's hard to go wrong with like a a black or an Olympic white kind of thing with tort if there's a scratch plate for sure. Um, and then anything else, I want. I mean, I've had like bursts and things and those are great and they almost feel natural in a sense, depending on the burst. But like I want I want something quite colorful, you know, like I would want something that is just like audacious, like we we're talking with like red and gold hardware or like something is like the the translucent electric blues that you used to see in like the late 90s on like samic bases and things like that yeah. you know a lot of times just like something that's like oh yeah this definitely a normal thing that you would see in nature <laughs> or something you know but yeah like i i really like loud bass i just i just i always gravitate more towards like a natural a natural finish and not necessarily and i mean also most of my bases are oil finished they're not like lacquer or nitro or anything so it's sort of like i like a matte 
finish as well and i that's just sort of my vibe but um i mean i i say that as i'm staring at this seafoam green base <laughs> that i did to be fair start out with saying that i really like it so um it, but you know like something like that's really growing on me but i just i just don't know that i like it's weird just like i really like it i just don't know that i would play it like i'd want to see underneath it you know kind of thing i think yeah yeah, I, I I totally I totally get that. Um, I I I was thinking about this question the other day, and I realised that I think my favourite finish is Sunburst, which is incredibly boring. But yeah, I I agree with you, JD, I, and and Naomi as well. I guess I I really like having that natural finish, being that that sort of woodiness being a part of the base. I like that sort of rich, uh, you know, characterfulness of an instrument rather than it just being sort of a a straight color um yeah for sure and i mean i don't know is that having worked around acoustic instruments for for my time in stores as well but i think there's um a little bit like we were talking about earlier just that um you know quite a lot of bases end up with with just really interesting wood combinations as well whether it's there was a jazz bass i saw years ago which was okoumi um which i believe is an african wood um you know they've done walnut bodies um even mahogany even like natural mahogany to me is um is stunning so i i would be a fan of showcasing the the instrument for what it is in a lot of cases yeah yeah 100 percent. fender actually did a run a run of precision and jazz basses in akume yes that's Um, the one that's the one i'm talking about ah yes yeah they sounded incredible as well yeah they were they were great yeah like mm-hmm. a really it kind of exactly what you expect from those sorts of woods it was like a richer and more defined low end yeah um, mm-hmm. i thought yeah uh, they were they were awesome but that actually that brings us up to uh, the end of this week's episode of the bass guitar nerds podcast thank you very much listener for tuning into this week um you can of course join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Also join our Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. And you can follow us on any of the major social platforms with at guitar nerds. And we'll be back week after next with another another episode of the Basic Guitar Nerds podcast. And we'll be back next week with a regular episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We'll see you then for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.